dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. All of us are inspired by the lives of saints. I think it's important that we remember, though, that saints come of many different stripes. Some are poor and destitute, and others, in fact, come from lives of affluence. What makes saints great is not their background, but how they use it for the love of God. In today's saint, St. Catherine Drexel, we learn the surprising story of a young woman of wealth who becomes holy for others. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us. We are trying to go deeper here in our understanding of courage. And that's what I think is at the heart of all holiness is this, this spirit that transforms the circumstances that we're in because the circumstances are less than the spirit that is within us. A saint is not someone who has it easy, nor is it someone whose life is always good. A saint is someone who transforms their circumstances by the power and influence of God and the Holy Spirit. And to learn to be a saint, to learn to be holy, is to learn how to do that very act. To look at a circumstance and a situation and to fill it with God's Spirit. That's why I think that holiness and leadership are interconnected and interdependent. I think that every saint is a leader, and I think that every leader is called to be a saint. As a matter of fact, that leadership is a way for us to incarnate all of the spirituality that we learn about in the Catholic Church. That's what's amazing about us as Catholics. We have so many devotions so uh, such a rich heritage and yet surprisingly so many catholics don't know what to do with it so we end up either you know paying it lip service and it becomes like a custom you know you get enrolled in the brown scapular why because that's what grandma said you should do that's what you did at first communion that's what the nuns told you to do you know and, and, and then what happens is later on we don't even get enrolled in the brown scapular at all some of you were like what is the brown scapular but 50 years ago, every single Catholic kid was enrolled in the brown scapular. But today, we don't even really know what that devotion is. And that's just the, the type of point, right? You do the same thing with the rosary, same thing with consecrating your houses to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, same thing with a, a lot of different aspects of our faith where we realize that the faith is important and we know it's important, but we don't always know what to do with it. I mean, practically, where does it fit into our life? And this is where I think that the St. John Institute really provides a, a pathway here. Because what we are all about is to say, you know what, what? Holiness requires that you assert yourself on behalf of Christ by influencing the world around you. 
be that in the workplace, be that in your family, be that in your community, you're supposed to shine the light of Christ. Love is not able to be kept uh, in, in a little box without corrupting. It's kind of like seeds. If you keep seed in a big barrel, it'll rot. But if you take that same seed and you throw it into the ground, it'll multiply into a thousand fold. You know, the, the, the whole idea is it's the same with our lives. If you take your talents and you keep them for yourself, you will squander them. They, they, they won't remain talents. The, a talent that is latent is a talent that is disappearing. The only thing that you can properly do with your skills and your talent is deploy them by love. And when you deploy and employ your talents by and, by and out of love, your talents grow and you grow at the same, by the same token. And this is what Christianity is supposed to be. It's supposed to be people who are active in their faith, moving their world forward by playing with their kids, talking with their spouses, consecrating their homes to God. And then all of a sudden the mass and spirituality and the devotions and the prayers and the traditions of Catholicism all start to fall into line. Catholicism is not about us receiving and absorbing things for their own sake. Catholicism is about us receiving God's grace and then putting it into action in lives that are engaged and engaging. This is what the saints did. And this is what we're called to do as well. And so that means if you're looking at the lives of the saints and trying to say, okay, what makes these people great? I think that the first place you need to look is their courage. I think every saint fundamentally is a courageous leader. They're a man or a woman who's decided to act in this world from their heart. That's what courageous means. Courageous comes from the Latin word core, C-O-R. And core means heart in Latin. So courageous, courageous, courage. It's literally heart. Sometimes you see it translated in the Bibles, people saying, take heart, right? Or be of good cheer, right? Kind of an English spin on the thing, right? Be of good cheer. It, it simply means take heart, which is actually harkens back to the Greek, which is literally, it, it speaks about the chest, Right? So when a person lives out of their chest or a person lives out of their heart, well, what's happening is that instead of absorbing the situation around them and then responding to it, a true leader changes the situation around them by influencing it. And that means leadership begins from the inside of a person and then extends to the outside. It's when you get the gumption to lay claim of your dream and to make your dream a vision and put that vision into action that you leave the legacy behind that you always are wanting to leave. This is what makes leadership awesome. And this is what we find in the same lives of the saints. And so we're going to talk about today, I want to really look at the life of St. Catherine Drexel. She's an amazing saint because of her courage and her courageous leadership in the circumstances that will surprise you. I remember the first time I got to see her work and be influenced myself all these years later by her life. She died in 1955 at the age of 96. 
And, and, and I remember that when I was in Philadelphia, I had led a group of young adults with Eagle Eye Ministries, which is the, Eagle, the, the ministry that we, that we found here at the St. John Institute, our outreach to young adults. We led a whole group of Eagle Eye Ministry students to the March for Life in Washington, D.C. And so on the way, we stopped by her, her house, and I got to learn about her life there in Philadelphia and celebrate Holy Mass on her very tomb. It was so moving. We put the altar cloth right there on her tomb and were able to say mass with the students. And that introduction to her in a spiritual way really opened the doorway for me to recognize what a treasure her legacy is. What an inspiration her story is. And to see the way the young people responded to her, it convinced me of the same. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. You know, the life of St. Catherine Draxel, for, for, for many, it's, it's amazing because what she lived through... <laughs> It almost takes more courage than people who have had a lot of struggle. Here's what I mean. So she was born into a very wealthy family. Her father was a banker. And the story of her life is that she was, she was involved in all the high social circles of Philadelphia at the turn of the century, which really must have been something when you think about it, what that, what that represented. East Coast, Philadelphia had finally come into its own. The American experience is just over a little over 100 years old. And, you know, the, the high society, all the European customs are still in full, full swing there. And Catherine comes of age and that, and she receives, you know, uh, the inheritance of her father. So when you read that from the outside, you say, okay, that has nothing to do with the lives of the saints and nothing to do with me. But that's what's so challenging about the life of St. Catherine Drexel. When you really look closely at her life, she's the second daughter in the family and her mother dies five weeks after she's born. So she never knew her own mother. Her father will die when, by the time she's 23, leaving Catherine an orphan. And her father, a wonderful man, dedicating himself to work, entrusts Catherine to be reared by her aunt and uncle for the first two years of her life until he remarries. Now, what might sound astounding there, of course, you have a high degree of wealth, a very comfortable lifestyle. Her father insisted that she be tutored privately, privately and that she learn geography as one of the first lessons of her life. So because of their wealth, she's able to travel all throughout her youth and go to Europe, go to the American cities, where she learns. Now, this just sounds, again, like you might say, well, that's a pampered lifestyle. I don't think so. Instead, what her father was trying to teach their, his daughters was that, that they needed to have a global perspective in order to lead effectively. And they needed to not only be exposed to the different high societies of things, but also to the poor. It might surprise you to know that her stepmother, for example, and her father used to give as much as they could to the, the needy in the area. And they would give rent out. They would give food assistance out from their home 
in there by their own hand. And there were times where the families would be embarrassed to go to their posh mansion there in Philadelphia. And so the family, the mother and father, would actually go in, into the streets, into the neighborhoods themselves. Her mother, her stepmother, for example, told the girls that charity isn't charity if it leaves a sting behind. In other words, if you're going to help somebody, you got to take away also that shame that they might feel as you, as you render them service. I think that that's an incredible witness. This saint, her soul and her love for the poor did not come out of a vacuum. In fact, her love for the poor came from the demonstration of effective charity from her wealthy parents. And, I, and this is really important. There are so many times I hear, you know, Catholics criticize the wealthy or there's almost like a, a mantra that's been put into our brains that somehow wealth is an evil thing. This is, this is only said by people until they need it. And then all of a sudden, everybody strives for it. If you look at the lives of the saints, there are many saints who in fact lived in comfort and used their advantage in order to help the poor. And they could not help the poor if they didn't have that advantage. I'm thinking of, of blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati, whose family was one of the most wealthy families in Turin, Italy. And, and he used to slip out at night through the window and use the money that he was given for an allowance to buy gifts for the poor and to help them. Well, it's not only that you can use money to, to help people straight out of the hand with, with generosity of your heart, which is what Catherine Drexel's family did. You can also use that money to found institutions that perpetually serve the poor, the disenfranchised, those who are needy. What it takes, in other words, is not a fear of profit, but a desire to use that profit for the greater glory of God and to help your fellow human beings. And that's exactly what Catherine parents did. They educated their daughters to be effective leaders with their wealth. And they went through the pains to do that. And aren't we glad that we did? Because when we look at her life, Catherine did a lot of things straight on to help people, of course. But she also dedicated herself to actually founding and working with institutions that would end up making an effect in the lives of the poor a hundredfold the time what she could do herself. And she could only do that because of the immense financial privilege that she enjoyed. Now you're looking at me like you don't, you don't believe me. So look at the numbers. Let the numbers speak for you. In the end, by the time that she died at age 96, March 3rd, 1955 in Pennsylvania, she had established through her work 145 mission churches, 50 schools dedicated to the advancement of the African-American community, and 12 schools dedicated for the advancement of the Native American community in the American Southwest. In addition, she founded the only historically black Catholic college in the United States, Xavier University in Louisiana. So a university, a total of 62 schools and 145 chur churches, missions that are serving the salvation of souls. Now, you think about that. That takes two things. Number one, it takes a lot of money. 
And number two, it takes a, a woman who has the, the couth and the knowledge and the savvy to pull that off and to lead in all of the circumstances necessary to found those institutions prudently. And her sisters that she founded in order to do this, the group of nuns she founded, just think of the skills that you need just to advance all of that. I mean, you need to be able to talk. You need to be able to share. You need to be able to laugh. You need to be able to manage. You need to be able to correct, to teach. And on top, I mean, so this, you don't get those type of skills without a good education. Her father knew this and her father supplied for that education out of his wealth. And then later on would supply the wealth that she could apply through her education. He formed her to lead and leading is exactly what she would do as her life went from, from the heiress of a, of a wealthy f a financier to the mother of thousands of souls in the American Southwest. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So let's go back to a moment to Catherine's youth, right? So there she was, her mother had died, her stepmother and father, this saintly couple, educating their children well and teaching them to take care of the poor with their wealth. Catherine comes of age, of course, at age 17, 18. She goes through all the social circles that are necessary. And then something terrible happens. Her dear stepmother dies of cancer after three years of struggle. So imagine you're 18, 19, and your stepmother dies. Your mom's already has passed away. And you realize that life is not about your money. Your money can't buy you security. It can't give you life or death. It's all about how you use it. Then she reads a book, the, A Century of Dishonor by Helen Hunt Jackson. And this is an important thing for me because you know, I do a lot of outreach to the young adults at that age. And it's amazing because, you know, you try to find people to support you or funding for it. And everybody wants to say that they love to work with young adults. But it's amazing just how, how few people willingly step up and support your work. When you're working for teenagers or little kids, it's a lot easier to get funding. When you talk to young, about young adults, people kind of like, eh, well, you know, it doesn't sound interesting. But look at this life. There she is, 20 years old, and she reads a book that transforms her heart. It's all about the plight of the Native Americans and the dishonor that they've, that they've had. And by reading that book, her eyes and her hearts are pierced. Her heart is pierced through and her eye is opened. And I think to myself, you know, that's exactly why I'm doing the ministry I'm doing with Eagle Eye Ministries. It's because I know, and I'm telling you, I see the impact in the lives of these young people. If we can expose them to the needs that are out there, the mission that they have with their lives, they follow. And they dare great things for Christ. Catherine Drexel, she exactly, did exactly that. Because there she is, her stepmother dying. She reads this book. And then she decides to, to head with the family in 1884 in order to see the, Ameri the Western states 
and she actually personally saw the plight and destitution of the Native Americans, she wanted to do something specific to help them. How important it is to not discount our young adults or put them purely to say, put your talents into the marketplace, work just on getting your job and your career going. As important as that is, my friends, let's not forget that wonderful quote that John Paul II gave. They, they, they asked him one time, they said, Holy Father, what do we do? Because our young people are, seem to be so idealistic and enthusiastic. And he said, well, you know what? Let young people be idealistic and enthusiastic as long as they remain idealistic and enthusiastic. It's almost like he was recognizing there's a proper stage in the heart of a young adult where the needs and the causes of things are God's way of speaking to them. And aren't we ever glad that that was the case for Catherine Drexel? Because, of course, she has a spiritual director, but at that same time, at age 24, her father dies. So now she's an orphan three times in her life. And she's alone with her three sisters. So what do they do? Of course, they mourn, etc. They dedicate their inheritance. Their inheritance came to a total of today, it'd be about $406 million. Okay, so that was about $1,000 per daughter per day that they would be given in terms of an allowance. And so what do these women do? They did exactly as their father taught them to do. They were financing and funding the poor with different projects. And so Catherine's heart went towards advancing the needs of the American Indians. Her sister went and founded and, and worked with schools to advance the needs of African Americans. What an amazing group this is. What an amazing family, right? It shows you how important it is to raise your families. We sit there and act like everything, you know, is going to be done by schools. It's going to be done by somebody else. Nobody is more powerful than the father and the mother of a family for demonstrating and teaching their kids how to live like saints. If you want courageous leadership out of your kids, demonstrate the courageous leadership from the top. Give from your heart, my friends. Money cannot buy you life. Money cannot buy you security. What it can give you, though, is the ability to change the world with love. And that's exactly what this woman did. So she goes to the sea. They must have been so wealthy and had enough connections that the Pope wanted to meet with them. So she went to see the Pope in order to ask the Pope, can you send sisters to help fund all of these churches that I'm opening up for the Native Americans? And that's when her life was changed. The Pope looked at her and said, what about you? Three words. What about you? And Catherine was struck to the heart and she realized she was called to do that. So at age 31, she makes vows and together with 13 other women begins the Missionary Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. And what do they do? They found a mother house. They build. There's all kinds of opposition. At one point, they even found a stick of dynamite that someone had lodged to blow up their convent because she was working with those who were racially uh, disadvantaged and, and people weren't always welcoming that. And she just pushed through and she worked and founded missions, found priests to staff them, organized the help and the care for people on the other side of the country and then, of course, 
went there herself. The, the beautiful life of Catherine Drexel is that she gave up over $7 million at that time, all right? Which is, it's about one to 26 is about the ratio of the wealth at that time compared to today, all right? So she gave up, you know, over $140 million and took a vow of poverty, dedicated all of that money to funding all of these things. And she worked then the rest of her life working to found and expand and move other people behind her vision. You see, her courage to give up $140 million of an inheritance and a vow of poverty to dedicate that to the poor, that inspired a legacy of hundreds of women who decided to do, follow in her footsteps. They couldn't exactly do the same thing, but they took the vow in the same way. Courageous leadership begets courageous leadership. She challenges all of us to change our view, number one, of financing, to somehow, somehow seeing uh, people of wealth or of means as being a, an evil to be eradicated. On the contrary, we've got to see this as a potential that can be used for the good means of the transformation of the society. Maybe, in fact, it's that people of means need the same courage as the people who are struggling between the two of them, they have one thing in common. It's called humanity. And humanity is never more perfect than when it is courageous. Catherine Drexel led from the front by giving all of that over to the works of God. And aren't we grateful that she did? That she had that capacity and that she managed it well. Her institutions continue to flourish to this day. And they continue to render spiritual use. She left a legacy behind her, not only in her institutions, but in her example. And I think that this is really where her, her courage is shown. Not only did she give up $140 million and dedicate it, but she gave up her life. And now you think of the words of Christ, right? You, you know, whoever loves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will keep it for life everlasting. And that's exactly what St. Catherine Drexel did. And as I said my mass there on her tomb, surrounded by my young adults, all of us had our breath taken away as we realized that God was calling us to do the same. To not cling to our talents, to not cling to our treasures, but instead to give them to those who are waiting for them in the name and love of Jesus Christ. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.